Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. So Shona just asked the question, how are you doing? (laughs) Yes, how are you all doing? Just to catch everybody up. (laughs) Thinking. I guess we wanted to talk about sleep. It's morning time now. We're all awake. uh, and (laughs) You know, it's funny when you ask that question and not even thinking about sleep, but I do think, Mm -hmm. you know, if my wakefulness, how wakeful I feel is uh, something I consider in answering that question, like that I Mm -hmm. feel uh, like I can do things and I have energy. Um, Yeah. Yep. It's a, yeah. Even the question like, oh, well, what, what's my checklist for how am I doing? Like, am I happy? Am I, mm. do I? That's so true. Yeah. I think I always go to that too. Like, how am I doing? Did I, how, how did I sleep? It's definitely one of the first <laughs> things I think about because if I haven't slept well, then chances are I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not doing so great. I didn't sleep well last night and it definitely like affects me the whole day um or I have to make a lot more effort to make myself feel okay um for the rest of the day or I'm like planning when I can take a nap (laughs) yes yeah because of that um yeah I think it's a cool like idea too to think like when people ask you in the morning like how are you doing and I liked how Sarah, you said we could think of things beyond like, oh, how did I sleep last night? (laughs) You know, am I happy? Am I sad? Um, Am I sad and tired? Or am I sad but well-rested? You know, I think adding those emotional descriptors, I think, would be get past that superficial level sometimes. I'm I'm getting along with everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. my to-do list is getting done or not mm-hmm. yeah I think sleep is definitely big on my mind these days being in postpartum is <laughs> it's like top of my mind like like um that really defines how I'm doing these days as a new mom um yeah I guess I'll dive in because I've got a baby with me and I don't know how much longer he has before he needs to sleep and take a nap. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, when you guys talked about like, let's talk about sleep. I was like, well, that's a whole nother story with postpartum because 
I feel like I've had quite the journey with that. And, you know, I start out as a new mom, not really knowing like how it's going to go, but knowing that, you know, there's certain like cultural rules and things that people say sleep should be um, for you and your newborn. Um, well, one of them, one of the things that I heard that was good was, you know, sleep, sleep when the baby sleeps. And yes. I really did take that to heart and made that a major priority and just asked for help. Like, okay, the baby's sleeping, I'm taking a nap. Like, can you guys help me with that and help around the house and do things for me so I can sleep? I don't know how I would have survived. Um, Cause basically you have to feed your baby every two hours and like you're, I'm sleeping in one hour, two hour blocks. Um, so sleep just becomes a sort of elusive thing. <laughs> you just kind of get it when you can. But mm-hmm. um, I never thought that I would um, consider uh, um, things like bed sharing <laughs> before mm-hmm. I had a baby. Cause it was like, don't, don't do that (laughs) you're gonna kill your baby like if you sleep with them you know um (laughs) there's so much fear around baby sleep that it's just like really intense and um honestly like my baby came out at 7 p.m and I was like okay I need to sleep but I it feels so unnatural to put him in his own bed right now and I was just like okay I'm just gonna sleep with him and it was fine and then I learned pretty soon afterwards from a um, lactation consultant about like safe co-sleeping safe sleep where you know they can be in your bed in a certain position like without pillows and blankets around and it's actually one of the most natural forms of sleep and I think that that also saved me those first couple weeks um, was just being able to fall asleep with him and because he didn't want to be anywhere else. He would cry and put down anywhere else. Um, so I talked to the lactation consultant who taught me about safe sleep, safe infant sleep or safe co-sleeping and um, which included like sleeping in the C position with them um, on a hard mattress without pillows and blankets around, not swaddled, you know, all these things that then I put into place and I felt like, okay, like this is safe. And I got so much more sleep because I could breastfeed in that position. I could sleep with him. He wouldn't scream because if I tried to put him down. So that was a trip in sort of navigating like what the standards are for baby sleep and sort of going against them based on intuition and then learning about safe co-sleeping and then eventually you know moving him to the cradle in my room to eventually moving him to his own room but anyway it's been it's been a trip and now I'm four months out and he's sleeping um from six to six with two feeds in between so yeah well I feed him right before bed and then I dream feed him at like 10 or 10 ish which means he's still asleep but I pick him up and feed him he stays asleep and put him down and then we both sleep from like 11 till 5 or 6 so for me the dream feed is like a miracle worker because I think it's I think it's really important for me and probably other people that get that sleep like from midnight to five is like I feel like that chunk of time for some reason feels really important it's like but if he wakes up at three then I'm kind of thrown off um more that day so so I'm really thankful for my sleep journey it's kind of turned out for the best um I could probably talk even more about all the things I just said but um I'm sleeping pretty well I'm function I'm getting six hours five six hours at a time and nice hopefully it'll continue that way I know there's sleep regressions that can happen but um yeah I I feel like I've always took sleep like really seriously because I'm one of those people that needs to sleep like nine 
nine hours to feel good. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I know there's people that can sleep less and be okay, but um, I've always like treated my sleep like, like sacredly because <laughs> then I just, I can't, I've never been those people that could like pull an all-nighter in college and be okay. Um, so, so yeah, I like my sleep. <laughs> I think about it a lot. What do you? <laughs> I have two questions that sure. are like what you were saying. So the first one is, um, does did your lactation support person talk to you about the dream feeding, or did you do find that more uh, with reading on your own? Yeah. So I actually somebody recommended to me the a class called Taking Care of Babies. Um, and I was already following her on Instagram. And so I just decided to pay for her online class. Um, and that was huge for me because she was the one that introduced like um, eat, the baby sleeps, and then you feed them right away. And then they have, they play, sleep, eat, play, sleep, eat, play. And then she, she was the one that told me about the dream feed. Um, and for me, like that schedule is sort of like a sort of like a schedule. It's still baby led, but you sort of implement, you know, these sort of these timing and then these technique of the dream feed. For me, and I guess a lot of other people, because so many people follow her, it, it's worked really, really nicely. Nice. So, yeah. And then the other question was you had mentioned about when the baby sleeps, you sleep, which in a perfect world, I love that. And I think right. that's what we all strive for. And so yeah. what could we get creative of like people who don't have other people around them to either watch baby or while you are sleeping and baby sleeping that they can do something around the house or the things that need to get done. Um, like maybe yeah. together us three could think of a way that we we could do something like that that support like how can we send support new moms and new families that that's a really good need question. a little bit more support. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really have an answer to that off the top of my head. I feel like I was lucky in that I had um my mother in law down the road could come help um so even just having like one person that I can help or like trying to plan that it you know before the baby comes but I don't know like what I honestly don't know how people do it (laughs) if they don't have support like if especially if they're a single parent and don't even have a partner yeah um I mean I raised my kids away from family. Okay, maybe you can answer that better, Sarah. I don't, I don't know. Well, first of all, one of the things I pick up on is there's always controversy about how kids should be raised. That's like, totally. yeah. My babies were 40 years ago and still we're having the same discussions. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and doesn't it feel like a controversy like like that? Oh, you shouldn't sleep with your baby. Like, so, so. Oh gosh, yeah. Like you feel, I felt totally judged even by like my pediatrician. She's like, mm-hmm. "Well, what are, I don't know about and that." You know what's like, so well, funny about that too is like ACOG just came out saying like, "Yeah, like it's not that bad." And you're like, even if a reputable place, you know, who is the forefront of obstetrician-based care, like people still question it. They're like, well, I don't know. So it just kind of again shows like whatever your intuition says and that's mm-hmm. the best way to go sometimes. Yeah, it's more important to talk about how to, to talk about all the options and how to make yeah. it safe, including bed sharing. Because <laughs> people are going to do it. Yeah, I love that she said make it safe and how to do that. Because I used to nurse in bed too, just because it was that or that die it felt like exactly I, I on my third my third baby did not sleep through the night for nine months 
I got oh so, God. so, uh, so mentally uh, crazed. I've made an emergency phone call to like psychiatric services, like in tears. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I could barely handle it for two months, not sleeping through the night. Like your brain, I felt like my brain was starting to deteriorate. Like my memory, I couldn't remember things. Oh, I don't so know. Nine months. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Look back at you know piece of history in the eighties. I'm like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just sleep deprived. And, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, we laugh, but like it's so serious. Like, sleep yeah. deprivation is no joke. It's a yeah, real when thing. it's like a it's a a tactic for war. You know, then you know it's serious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a form of torture yeah and I I don't so I don't know the answer um I even at one point tried um to work with a friend to share um care of the of our kids and that didn't end well um Mm -hmm. he felt taken advantage of and maybe maybe I was um I don't Mm. you know I don't know yeah I'm sure I mean I think we've talked a lot about how on baby showers, you know, have not just having things that baby needs and mom needs like physically, but putting gift certificates for a massage or PT or some kind of service. But maybe we can also like put on their um, gift certificate for house cleaning service or um Mm -hmm. see if there is a co-op that potentially can maybe not necessarily um, co-oping taking care of children but you know okay call me when you're taking a nap like I'll you know someone will come in and do like grocery shop for you and drop them off Mm -hmm. or you know I'm sure there's a way we can co-op it and find people that can be helpful um that's beyond child care just have to be yeah. creative, I think. If you don't have family, like, yeah, like, help people, support people and hiring a cleaner to come in um, at some point. And, yeah, or uh, those um, those meals that are, like, baked harvest or something. Oh, yeah. Harvest, um, we that... do that. We The okay. meal boxes, we, we yeah. literally do that. That's so yeah. great. <laughs> Like that makes it maybe a little yeah. bit easier. So maybe gift cards for that. Like I, that's what I always find. And granted, I have not, despite my fascination with prenatal and postpartum stuff. I a lot of my friends that I'm close with either don't want kids or haven't gotten pregnant. Um, and so I've never really been in around. Um, uh, like baby shower stuff but I just knowing what my what we do as our as our job for postpartum people I'm like I'd rather give you the things that I know is gonna last you long term than like yeah. giving you a baby like a bottle warmer you know even though right. a bottle warmer <laughs> is just as important as anything else um <laughs> I would rather though I think give you support as a mom because unfortunately we don't get a lot of it so yeah that's a really good point it's like we just need people to help us do the things like cleaning and cooking and meals like we had a meal train and like we don't need you to come over and just like like google and want to hold the baby (laughs) like that's nice to a certain extent but like that postpartum time you just want someone to clean your house or do your laundry so so that you can sleep mm-hmm. when the baby sleeps or so that you can just be with your baby um much as you can yeah my you know my head's not in what's happening right now so i maybe I, my impression is wrong but culturally we don't support uh babies after they were after they're born mm-hmm. like yeah. and we we don't support uh, parents to be able to take care of those babies after they're born. Pe- people are expected to come back to work within six weeks, and yeah. uh, women um, and husbands. Um, 
husband, you know, like father time is, is just a relatively new thing. (laughs) Um, Right. right. Yeah. Uh, So I think one of the, one of the places is in legislation is, and that's the the whole purpose of politics is to help the people. Um, uh, but, so I, but we have an economy that's not really set up for that. Yeah, I know. It makes me sad, too. <laughs> oh. Um, uh, yeah. So if anyone's having kids now, they can't wait for any legislation to help. But I, I don't. So in uh, one time, in Germany, they give mothers three years. And, and the state supported three That's years. Amazing. And in yeah. other countries, I know, give both um, both parents, you know, time and, and, you know, maybe it's both parents for a year so that, and you could do that however you want. Like you could do it for a year consecutively or a year together. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some companies in America who are doing something like that. Like my mom works for PNC Bank and they provide maternal and partner uh, leave for uh, either adoption or um, your own baby, which I think was pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Google and some of the big tech companies can do that too. Um, But it's sad that you have to have a company that, you know, makes billions and billions in order to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, um, there's probably could spend the whole time talking about um, postpartum sleep. I know. But there is also, you know, how is sleep for you kind of in that adult stage where you don't have necessarily things that are distracting. Although you, you went through a time where you, you were taking care of someone with health problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, that there's a lot of people in that situation then that they get sleep disrupted because they're having to take care of their. Yeah. We, my husband and I, before we got married, um, was taking care of his father and he was doing it for years. And then, um, I helped him out for a year and um, his father is post-stroke, which then led to dementia and seizure disorder. And towards the end, he had a lot of, of his time with us before um, he was able to transfer into a facility care, a care facility. Um, he was having sundowners. And so for people who don't know what sundowners is, it's essentially pretty common with people with post-stroke or neurological diseases that um, it changes the circadian rhythm. So then they tend to be really tired during the day and then up at night. And which then obviously with us, like that's not, for caregivers, that is not very great. Um, and at one point it was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back where we're like, Oh, we need more help than we thought we did. Um, it was like three in the morning and all of a sudden we just hear him like running down the hallway and, and then uh, opening up the front door, which thankfully I thought we were, our bedroom is actually right next to the front door so we could hear it. And, you know, cause he was about to just. Because he was, he was thinking and hallucinating that someone was in the house and that he needed to get out. And, you know, and he was, you know, in his underwear and at three in the morning, right? So, um, and obviously that didn't happen every night, but that constant fear of something like that happening um, definitely affected our sleep and my husband's sleep more than anything. So that was really hard too. And I learned the importance of sleep um, during that time. And it's kind of sad when you don't 
really take ser- sleep serious until you don't have it and it's something very extreme and then mm-hmm. you're like oh I need to figure out how this can work mm-hmm. and then you probably have a similar situation when taking care of your parents right. towards and your dad towards the end as well yeah well so my my mom died in 2019 and my dad she had parkinson's and became increasingly immobile and my dad took care of her the last three three and a half years of her life and he he would say that was the best time in his life he loved taking care of her but towards the end she was doing what you described with your your father-in-law and um i think that did him in actually uh he it just exhausted his nervous system and he never fully recovered. And, uh, you know, he was in his nineties, but his dad lived to 103 and, uh, I really think he could have done it. He died of heart failure and that's that autonomic nervous system just being worn out. Um, and so that's why right now a focus for me at work is helping people recover their nervous systems after, um, in, these prolonged periods of chronic stress and getting back to good sleep is such an important part, part of that. But then, um, it, so my dad just died in, um, December of 2021 and I took care of him for six weeks, uh, in that period right before. And he, um, when I got there, there is like, they live in Wisconsin and I live here in Washington. So I didn't have the firsthand experience that my sister and brother were going through, but especially my sister was, I didn't realize how much time she was putting in. And, um, I get there and he wasn't sleeping through the night. So that was one of the first things we worked on because I, I, I like, I guard my sleep too. Um, and I'll say what my sleep is like, it's not perfect, but, um, I know I need to be in bed (laughs) and resting. And so, um, the hospice had a list of names or the, this, this group of women uh, that just came together to help people in our situation. They're like angels. And, um, I, I called them, they arranged for, we cobbled together three women, a group of three women um, who took uh, six nights of the week. And then I took one and I could manage the one. Um, But it was, it was a godsend to be able to walk back into the bedroom and go to sleep. And, and, and even just to be there in my own room and not be responsible during that time. So uh, and the, these were just lay people, not any kind of professional group, um, not part of a uh, service or anything, just uh, women who got together and knew how many people out there are struggling with these needs towards end of life. So if that gives anybody ideas um, on how to help other people, that that, that is, that, that was definitely helpful. Um, but, and, and, and essential, you got to guard your sleep. Yeah. And I think it's, I bet people don't even know that that's available, right? Like towards the end of Kurt's father being in the house, like during the day we had someone, um, help out um, just because the safety situation was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a godsend. So I can only imagine the people who are there just to help make sure that the people are safe while you are sleeping is also a godsend. That's yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty uh, fascinating. Yeah. And it's interesting too, like when you're in the thick of it, like you don't really know, like, you just keep pushing and you keep your head down and cause that's all you know what to do. And it was fascinating because four months after my father-in-law 
moved into the facility, Kurt had um, serious health concerns. And you would assume that the health concerns from three years of constant fight or flight regarding another person um, would show up like relatively quickly after the stress is quote unquote gone. Mm-hmm. But, or at least the immediate stress is out of the house, right? Um, however, uh, it can take six months for your nervous system to finally realize, oh, I'm that situation isn't happening anymore. Mm-hmm. And so once it realizes it, you tend to crash. Uh, and because now your nervous system realizes, okay, I'm not an immediate threat, so now we can take care of this. And, you know, he was having um, anxiety, and um, he's had trouble sleeping for a long time, and he uh, would wake up, like, every morning at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and they couldn't get back to sleep, and he was having, like, these weird reflux stuff and so his body definitely took a hit um a few months after that stress went away Mm -hmm. and and it can i mean and he's a younger person so you know six months recovery but it can take two and three years to Mm -hmm. recharge that nervous system and i think it's important for people to realize that and give themselves the time. Um, I find it interesting. I mean, my today's the anniversary of my dad's death of one month. And uh, there's this pressure to continue on. Well, it's not really pressure, but there's um, I just jump back into life. And I think man, it would be nice just to take some time and process what happened. Um, but, you know, the the demands of life don't slow down. Like t- taking those six weeks off. So that I was saying that the, the financial hit of taking care uh, of my dad. And that, by the way, is the thing. If people... We're, we were lucky that he had the finances to help pay for help. But what if people don't have those finances to, to pay for help? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, that, was, that was Kurt and I because we, were, we moved into our house um, of March 2020. So uh, right when the world was ending and... Uh, <laughs> So we struggled. Not only did we just, uh, you know, use our entire savings to buy a house. So, and then, you know, work was, then I got furloughed for five weeks. And then you're like, oh, I don't know how we're going to do this. And we had a godsend, uh, Kurt's boss um, helped us pay for the nursing towards the end. So, you know, that was very, very um that helped us out a lot, which again, I know that not everyone has that, that opportunity. Um, What a kindness though. Yeah, it was very nice. So yeah. And, but then um, in talking about sleep that uh, and take, and what caregiving does to sleep, um, it shows you why they're, there are things like um, hospice, inpatient hospice, <clears throat> inpatient nur- um, nursing care is it is so amazing and such a gift uh, when, when it's needed because there it, it really got to the point where we couldn't take care of my dad. And so I want to thank hospice. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know if this is a too much of a jump, but then talking about, I you know, if there's baby sleep or, and then there's caregiver sleep and then there's sleep in the midst of your working career and then there's sleep 
later in life, like post-menopause. Um, and um, I went through a time, you know, like 25 years ago, we moved, I moved my whole family. I was concerned about my uh, making sure everybody adjusted to this big move. And I did not sleep for like three years at night. And um, then I listened to a um, presentation made by nurses from the University of Washington that said, um, it, one of them was on sleep and the nurse said, our research shows that um, sleep is largely a behavior. And up until that point, I thought that sleep was like fairy dust that fell on me. It either happened or it didn't. And when I saw those sleep hygiene lists, I just thought, uh, that doesn't work for me. But once my mindset changed, because this lady said that it was behavior. So now I had a mindset shift. And then I started applying sleep behavior. And it took me three months to get to where I, I slept through the night. And um, one of the, the only sleep hygiene thing I didn't follow was when they said, if you're, t if you're not falling asleep, get out of bed. And, and I, I just couldn't do it because I was too tired. So I, what I would do is a body scan, which is just like, what do I feel in my toes? What do I feel in my feet? What do I feel in my shins? And just, so I give my mind something to do because it was getting busy. And I would also have to say that when we are in the workforce and we are trying to get things done, oh, I guess whatever, whatever that is, night's a time where we tend to problem solve. And, and I just mm -hmm. had to cut that off. Like night or, you know, bedtime is for sleep and it's not time for problem solving my job was sleep. And so I would just practice that body scan and I would push those thoughts away. Um, and then um, if I wasn't asleep, when I got to the top of my head, I would just fill my head with liquid light. And I would just, again, go down through my whole body. And then if I still wasn't asleep, I would just float in that. And so some nights, that's all I did. I, I never felt that I fell asleep. And I would say rest is as good as sleep. Rest is as good as sleep. Mm -hmm. And then I heard Deepak Chopra say that later. So I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, then I, I developed the most wonderful sleep. And I had this amazing experience where I went to this retreat. I signed up late for the retreat and I ended up sharing this living room with three other people, including this guy who snored literally like a train. I am not, I've never heard anyone snore that loud. And it, and I woke up during the night and I heard him snoring and I just said, Oh, that's in my head. I said, Oh, that's what it is. It's not a concern. I fell back asleep and I slept right through it. it I got really good at that sleep thing. And then, um, in recent years, not so good. And um, so I'll sometimes wake up at two or three in the morning. Um, so now what I do, it's just, I just say sleep is a discipline. It doesn't. And I give myself stuff to, um, I, you know, I still do the body scan, but part of it is a busy mind. So I give my, mind something to do. I know it started with the pandemic and because you can worry, just worry, worry, worry. And so instead I would, I started with the Patanjali yoga sutras, just, you know, uh, Atta yoga, nushasanam, <laughs> yoga, chitta, vritti, nirodaha. And I would, I, I got up to 20 of them and, and now I'm doing our Ar Ayurveda shlokas or verses. And, um, it puts me back to sleep and I feel rested in the morning, even though sometimes I miss maybe an hour of sleep in the middle of the night. There is that theory that for some people you sleep in two blocks of time. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so 
uh, remo- removing judgment on what's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to just chime in and relate to you when you talked about the super guy snoring and like I, I don't know you saying that I'm like yeah you're right like sleep is a discipline there's something in our minds like it takes practice and behavior and I just I'm just relating in that um like in postpartum I before um before now like I could never sleep with white noise like a fan or anything it would freak me out and I would not be able to sleep oh and so like but having a baby they say white noise is good for baby sleep so I I was like oh no like the baby needs white noise. I'm never going to be able to sleep. And I remember I just told myself, I was like, you know what, Shona? Like, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm okay. I am going to fall asleep with this white noise. And boom, I like, it's not even a problem anymore. <laughs> the white noise mm-hmm. on the monitor. It, there's something, I don't know, what you were saying about the guy snoring and how you were just able to say, you know what? Like, it's fine. I'm going to sleep. Yeah, there's something um, to that. There's going to be times in our <laughs> life where we have our sleep is challenged. Well, mm-hmm. um, even sleeping with someone who snores or breathes loudly, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a whole nother trip. And have to sleep with somebody else and there and all their stuff, and just being able to re- like tell your nervous system like it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. I'm safe. We can sleep. And then that's the whole idea behind um, yoga nidra or also called non-sleep deep rest. And the idea Mm. that we don't actually relax in sleep where so many of us are just tense. And, And so, yeah, these things become, these things being you know, body scan or giving your mind something to do. They just become the practice of rest. And, and, um, and then it's okay. Look at you, you're surviving on five and six hours of sleep. (laughs) Like now that's like a lot. (laughs) That's like a lot. I know. Uh I know compared to my nine hours that I needed before. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great segue then to like to talk about um I guess there's a couple of things here. So like I have a couple of things in my head. One is that optimal sleep is gonna be different depending on what your life circumstances are. And I think again, like we talk a lot about this the recurring theme of life is ever evolving and that when things change, it's time to reassess why the change is happening and then then maybe think about different outcomes, right? Or or not judging ourselves on the change because we're like judging our experiences from the past. And like, oh, I used to get this amount of sleep at this time and now I can't, um, but like how Shona was just saying, like, I used to have to have nine and now I can function pretty well with five and six and just how like things change and, and not always trying to get to this box that we're always going to be in forever. That's like my first kind of takeaway from what you guys are saying. Um, and then the other thing is like, so besides like mindfulness, which I think that's what you guys are are um talking about is you're once you're really being proactive and being mindful of your ability to get past something that's uncomfortable and be able to sleep um what other things have you used to help with sleep winding down before bed I always Mm -hmm. hear that but that's really been helpful for me it's like to not try to be productive um or think too much or figure things out in the hour or two before bed um Mm -hmm. and you know at least turning my screen to 
to that sunset sunset mode, not getting too much bright lights and dimming the lights. It's sort of like turning that hour before bed into like a ritual to calm down and have a like, yeah. little sleep routine. They yeah. say that for babies too. Like they babies start to recognize a bedtime routine by I think they said eight weeks. So I'm thinking about that. And we all need since every single babies we need a bedtime routine. <laughs> yes. And I'm very particular about being in bed by 10 o'clock now for me. Um, yeah. Like having that consistent time. Well, they talk about if you stay up too late, then you get that second wind. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And trying to keep that consistency on like on the weekend. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's really easy to do to go to bed and wake up at the same time during the week, but you know, on the weekends, I like to sleep in a little bit or I stay up a little bit later, you know? Um, so within reason, you know, doing the best we can is a good yeah, idea. You know, re- removing the need for perfection. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Uh, it. You get, do the best you can. Um, oh, this is interesting. You know how I said I didn't sleep for three years. Well, I must've slept right. Or I would be dead. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's a sleep disorder uh, and it's related to anxiety and my dad ha- had it significantly years of, of not sleeping at night that got worsened when he was taking care of my mom and um, he was sleeping because like we'd catch him he was sleeping but he thought he was not sleeping so hmm. If that's happening for people, that's a, you know, that's a sleep disorder and there's things to do about it. And probably for myself, you know, like I said, it started with the pandemic that it got Mm -hmm. worse. You know, probably mine was related to anxiety too. And that we're all, anybody that's paying attention, there's, we've got to have a, a higher level of concern about what's happening around us, whether it's, you know, the pandemic, the economy, um, you know, the impacts on businesses right now, um, just world events that are happening. We could uh, get, it's easy to get wrapped up in that stuff. And so mm-hmm. letting yourself do what Shona's saying is where you can turn it off. Like at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. your world consists of your home and your family and yeah, it takes discipline. I think sleep then becomes like an, it, maybe if you check in on, you know, how am I sleeping? It's kind of an indicator on how your nervous system is doing and how your anxiety levels are. If you're not sleeping very well, it's like, well, okay, how, how, how is my anxiety? I, I, I just, yeah, I had a couple, a year or so that I felt like, what you're saying, Sarah, where I felt like I wasn't sleeping. I look back on that. I say that, like I didn't sleep for that year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It definitely was around anxiety about certain things in my life. And um, so, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. And I think not only just mentally, like what other physical things might be creeping up too, because I felt for me, like, improving my gut health improved my sleep um Mm. and again going back to what we said like if your nervous system is jacked up for a long time and then you get out of that jacked upness or at least the environment that is perpetuating the fight or flight um and then going through the fallout of that um, so then all you, you feel like all of these symptoms that seem unrelated are actually all related to each other. Um, so I definitely felt that getting my gut health. And then another thing that people like, I think sometimes look, uh, cause you think about like that hour before sleep, like that's going to help us like sleep the rest of the, or get to sleep, um, and stay asleep. But also if you're not active throughout the day, right. So you haven't like done much throughout the day. And again, I'm, we're not promoting like to be constantly moving 
all day, every day. Um, but if we don't expend enough energy throughout the day, then at night, we're going to stay up probably a little bit longer, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting outside. I think there's something to that, mm. too. I, well, I just been saying that because they say that about babies. Like, they say that they've said they say that if a baby gets outside in the afternoon, they usually sleep better. And then I th- I reflected on that for myself. And I thought, yeah, like being with nature and getting fresh air, I think helps us, um, helps our, what's it called, circadian rhythms. Um, mm-hmm. And then tied back in, oh, go ahead. The effect of morning light, like just, mm-hmm. I'll get out and walk around the, the block in the morning. Um, and with I'll, I take my glasses off so I don't have the blue mm-hmm. blockers, right? And I just get mm-hmm. that sunlight in my eyes. And apparently that triggers um, your a clock in your brain so that 12 hours later, it's starting pr- to produce melatonin. Mm-hmm. Um, what were nice. you going to say, Christy? And I was going to say how nature, the not only do we have our own circadian rhythm, but nature kind of has their own circadian rhythm. And the further away you are from the equator, the more variability there seems to be with the seasons and lights and how, you know, before the industrial revolution, you know, we lived around the sun and the moon. And so even biologically in our, in our genetics, like we have this probably how our sleep habits change depending on the time of year and again being okay with that change and knowing that when we go to another season like we might have a little hiccups like and getting back to good sleep because it changes each time yeah I do much better um I do much better um sleeping to the sun rather than um, rather than to the clock but uh, <laughs> life doesn't and it kind of gives me anxiety to think about that like if you think about during the summer well at least in Washington like which is further away from the equator right like you know the sun goes down at 10 at night in the summer and then it wakes up at 4 30 in the morning and you're like, wait, 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 that is six and a half hours and I'm supposed to like, I'm supposed to be sleeping in. And then in this winter, it's the opposite where it's dark at 4.30 and it doesn't get light until eight. And you're like, okay, so I can't sleep for 12 hours, you know, or 14 hours essentially. And I can't yeah. sleep for just for four. So how am I going to make this work in my environment? Yeah, so. Or like what Sarah was talking about before, like I that's something about like first and second sleep. I think that's what people did mm. in the winter. They would go to sleep when the sun went down, and then they'd wake up and have like an hour in the middle of the night, get up, you know, have a snack, whatever, and then go back to sleep until the sun came up. So I don't know. Maybe we're supposed to do that if we live in the northern, northern or southern. Like. Mm. You, you kind of hibernate in the winter and get a lot of sleep and then in the summer maybe it's okay to not get as much this is a theory but yeah yeah, yeah. And, that's, <laughs> and that's why my thing is to rest and if I try to get up and do something at night during that hour I don't feel good the next day but if I just stay in bed and stay quiet I do good and there's another thing um right now that that I recently learned is about keeping the mouth closed and doing nose breathing. Um, and some people will even tape their mouth shut. I just put the, like the pillow under my chin or my hand under my chin. And that has helped my sleep. That's really mm-hmm. interesting because I literally was just reading that about babies. It was like, if you see your baby sleeping with their mouth open to look to close their chin because mm-hmm. it will create problems like they'll become mouth breathers I don't remember it can create certain kinds of problems and so it sort of encourage your baby to breathe through the nose so it must be the same yeah. with adults too mm-hmm. yeah. so that that's been a, something that's been helpful um, this is not a consistent thing to do but uh 
eat like a glass of milk or a, a, at bedtime can help you sleep better too. And it, there's an Ayurvedic principle behind that, that uh, it'll actually. Yeah. Is there any other, is there any other supplements and or foods like that, that you guys use to um, promote sleep as well? I drink um, a magnesium drink at night. Mm-hmm. Called uh, the brand is called Magnesium, and it's mm-hmm. like a really nice flavored powder. And it has um, I did some research before I can't remember now, and like certain types of magnesium that promote sleep mm-hmm. and digestion. And so mm-hmm. I like that brand because it has like a good combo of types of magnesium. And it's true, like I do feel like I drink that. And then I start to feel like, ooh, like more relaxed, kind of relax my muscles and relax my mind. Um, so, yeah, what about you guys? I use magnesium too, which has been a huge thing for me. Um, and I've tried like sleepy teas before, and I just don't have the consistency that I would like on something like that. I've had some patients tell me that tart cherry juice is really nice and I looked into it and there's natural melatonin and natural tryptophan in tart cherry juice so um that seems to help people um oh having a very like dark cold like semi-cold room and like I refuse to have um like a tv in the bedroom and I and uh, we don't have an alarm clock either. So like it's as dark as it can possibly be. So, and I think that's been a huge help for me too. Yeah. I love dark, getting it really dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are melatonin supplements, but I mean, it's a hormone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think I'd rather help my body produce the melatonin. Mm-hmm. Um, but once in a while I'll use it, you know? So I think once it's like the glass of milk. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but once in a while, it it uh, it's a nice it's a nice thing. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, they even have um, like back to the white noise that Shona was talking about. Um, they actually have sleep podcasts now, which it depends on like your what you like to do. But there's some people that like the they'll tell you like a bedtime story essentially. And then you just like fall asleep to that. To me, I would just be too like focused on the words. So I probably wouldn't get to sleep on that one, but I found some like, um, uh, like those singing bowls, um, that like have a certain frequency for sleep or, um, Headspace has is an app, you know, that is a meditation app, and then they have nighttime meditations. So, those the times where I like lay in bed and I'm like, I cannot get to sleep. That's what I use, and that seems to help too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and and then I do better with quiet. So, although, yeah, uh, so. I, I did try sound ones, but I, I, and even listening to reading, but like you, it kept me awake, but you know, if you have it like a, uh, a, a lot of the apps for books, audible books, they'll have a timer. So you can listen to your book and it will stop itself. Good. I so we covered can, a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, to summarize it, it's like sleep change changes depending on lifestyle and circumstances and being okay with that change and shifting with it and trying new things and getting back into that good sleep is good hey you know what we didn't talk about is sleep and pain (laughs) Mm. (laughs) because if i'm hurting i can't sleep Mm-hmm. Um, um, maybe that should be a whole nother topic we talk about I'm sure I don't know unless you want to summarize let's, it for us Sarah I don't know I let's think about that because that's a that's a big one yeah I think that yeah. could be a whole nother yeah. a whole nother thing 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's Next time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny that we didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess that means that we're not in pain for our time right now. So that's, you know, we started True. off a conversation <laughs> with like, how's your sleep going right now? So thankfully that means that all of us aren't in pain at this current yeah. time, but does that mean that eventually we will have something like that? Pop Interesting. Up? Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was in pain the first couple of months of postpartum. Mm-hmm. So I'll have mm-hmm. to reflect on that for our next, yeah. For that talk on <laughs> pain and sleep. Yep. All yeah. right. Hmm. Oh, okay. Good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.